0: Hello, is this thing on? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Energy 101. You've got Sydney and Julie and a very special guest for a special episode. Today's a little different with the news that has come out recently with ERCOT and the grid a little bit of bitcoin mining mixed in we thought it would be fun to do a little special episode with our friend Marshall long
1: yeah yeah thanks for having me appreciate you thanks
0: for y'all. joining us so give us the rundown on what's been all over twitter
1: all right uh, the grid is going down <laughs> <laughs> it's uh now it's you know it's it's been interesting cuz it's just so hot this summer across yeah. texas at large and um There's a ton of renewables on the grid right now. And so interesting things happen when the sun stops shining and the wind stops blowing all at the same time. Sure does. And when it's, you know, 140 degrees outside (laughs) and everybody comes home at the same time, turns on their AC. Mm -hmm. And also at the same time, the sun stops shining and the wind stops blowing. Yeah, things go crazy. So
2: Yeah. So there's been a ton of headlines and a lot of people are angry mostly at bitcoin miners (laughs) yeah they got paid so much Mm -hmm. yeah sure but can you kind of explain you went on this long let's call it a tweet storm it wasn't really a tweet storm but it was a very informative thread um and we can can we link it yeah we're gonna link it we're gonna actually put the pictures in the episode so as we're talking through it it's gonna come up um but yeah walk us through that because i think i don't think we've ever talked about the grid we haven't. And Texas is mm-hmm. very different mm-hmm. than the rest mm-hmm. of the U.S. and wherever else. Um, and how our grid works and sure. all of that. So
1: so we'll just start, I guess, yeah. from the top.
2: Yeah. Our grid is just our grid.
1: That's right. So in general, the way any grid works is you link the generators mm-hmm. to the end users. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the best way to do that and the most efficient way to do that, those are all kinds of things that we'll be talking about. But... That's how any grid works. Now, what makes Texas unique, and there are some others as well, uh, is it's deregulated, meaning that there is a real market mm-hmm. for supply and demand. So mm-hmm. you can see a real-time market price. You have multiple retail electric providers you know, bidding on customers. You have different generation assets, and they're all privately owned. And the market is also privately owned. So ERCOT, while highly regulated mm-hmm. by the Public Utility Commission, is still a private company. So that's very unique. Uh, yeah. There are some other ones like PJM uh, is is another one and there are some others but there are unique challenges to Texas. So it's not all of Texas like El Paso is not in ERCOT. Oh, I
0: didn't, oh, know, that. I didn't know that either.
1: Yeah, so there's um, you can just think of most of Texas being right. in ERCOT. Uh, right. So when they say it's disconnected, the amount of what we call tie flows mm-hmm. uh, what allows us to like import power, export power is is very limited in Texas. So we're kind of like on an island. And ERCOT is split into a few groups we call them load zones. So okay. like Dallas is technically part of the same grid as Houston, mm-hmm. but Dallas is in load zone north and mm-hmm. Houston is its own thing. And we have load zone south and east and west and they're all connected but yeah. they're individual markets. So Makes sense. Um Yeah, Texas is its own kind of animal.
2: Individual markets, in a sense of what?
1: Right. So if I go and I buy power, right, my power price is going to be if I'm in Dallas. What the real time market price for power in Dallas is going to be different every five minutes from it is in Houston. Right. Right. It's pretty close, but it's technically a separate
2: market. Market, Right. So I think of whenever we had Gritty. Mm-hmm. I
1: yeah, Gritty. oh, God, Gritty is Honestly, such a great
2: example. What is that? I, I loved Gritty up until, you know, <laughs> but let me preface this as we understood the risk. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> like, most sure. people did not uh-huh, understand the uh-huh. risk. They thought they were just getting great prices. Yeah. Gritty was um, a provider, mm-hmm. a electricity provider, yeah. that gave you whole, like access to wholesale pricing. Huh. So yeah. we as end users got... Wholesale pricing, whereas usually wholesale pricing is what, you know, the company like mm-hmm. TXU Energy right. has. And then yeah. you get. Then they give you the end users sure. of the price. Line. Right. And they, they yeah, like TXU will then kind of. Um, so I'll, I'll, we can just start there. It's a great place it. to start.
1: So yeah. when you buy power in Texas, you can only buy it from what we call a retail electric provider. So you can think of like a TXU or a Shell Energy or NG you know, whoever, it could be like a TriEagle, that's a popular one in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, those people are allowed to sell you power. And the way they generally do it is they go to the wholesale market. They go to ERCOT directly and they buy a chunk of power for, call it five years, right? So they'll go and they'll buy a chunk of power for five years and then they'll mark that up and give you pricing, flat pricing mm-hmm. for five years.
2: So they get a locked-in price that's lower. That's right. So they can mark
1: So up. the wholesale market is great. However... What Gritty did was they allowed customers, they basically passed through the cost to customers. And in ERCOT, in general, the the cost is cheaper, Mm -hmm. but the cost is also volatile, right? Mm -hmm. So the price
3: kind of goes up
1: and down and up and down. And in general, it's pretty low. Um,
2: I would say really low. And there was times where we would have negative prices. That's right. Which... We didn't get paid for, but we didn't have to pay. Right. So that was That's their the business
1: thing. model, right? As yeah. they eat the negative pricing, they get that upside and they're pr- passing through the real-time market for you. And in general, you know, in the middle of the day when it's higher,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you're not home anyway. You're not using power. So like Gritty's business model was, we'll basically pass through the real-time market, which is a really cool, yeah. really cool thing until a like, uh, winter that? storm and Yuri comes <laughs>
2: Picks is freeze. Uh huh.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. So here's in order. So that that's called trading index. Okay? okay, that's what we call trading index, where you're on the real time market and you're buying real time. Mm-hmm. So it it is a real time marketplace. You can go to ERCOT's website. You can see the real time market price. Uh, in order to do that, you have to post collateral with ERCOT. So gritty puts up collateral with ERCOT, and that allows them with their rep license to do those kind of trades. Now, the problem is when prices explode from, you know, you're normally paying three cents and then when Yuri comes, you're actually paying $10 yeah. per kilowatt hour, That's which insane. is insane. Yeah.
2: Got really
1: People's, people like can't pay that, right? right. Like you're paying $1,000 a day for your power, $2,000, $5,000. And if your customers can't pay or well, you as a retail expert provider can also not pay ERCOT and ERCOT does what's called a margin call and they take all the collateral that they had with ERCOT and they get wiped out. They're bankrupt, Mm -hmm. they're toast, which means they're customers. Then, did you guys change to somebody else? How did that?
2: Yeah, so whenever it started happening, we were watching things and we were like, okay, we've got to do something. (laughs) I I can't pay my power bill. (laughs) Yeah, Gritty's just like sending out emails like, find a new provider, find a new provider. This is not good, (laughs) grab a blanket, find a new provider. So at that time other providers you couldn't get in like oh, they yeah. were so overwhelmed with trying to figure out what to do for themselves I think. That's right. Um that it was really hard to find one. So we eventually found one and we switched so we were kind of hedged from that mm-hmm. for for the most part. I mean yeah. it still got up to I don't even know if we paid. I doubt we paid. Yeah. Um but it got up Pretty high, which yeah, was crazy. You, you sit there and watch the app, and you're just mm-hmm. watching the app real time, and you're like, Turn everything <laughs> off, <laughs> throw <Not> the breakers <laughs> out of fire. house. Yeah. <laughs> Not that even like we didn't even have electricity at this time, or I guess it started a few yeah, the rolling before the storm. That's
1: right, yeah. So the yeah. prices started to explode, I think, Friday night or Saturday, and then the storm was like Sunday night. So, yeah,
2: so yeah. for the mo- most part, like if you didn't switch, your electricity was out anyway, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, you some bills were insane.
1: Yeah, so that's that's the double-edged sort of a real-time market, right? Yeah. So most large suppliers, they don't do that because it's a risk mitigation strategy, right? right? So um, in, in ERCOT, there are a few key players that we'll call. So you've got the retail electric providers. Mm-hmm. You've got brokers who help uh, people shop, yep. right? So you can go to like com mm-hmm. or uh, like scaninquote.com. Mm-hmm. Those are all good examples. You can like upload your power bill, like on scanningquote.com you upload your power bill and they'll do the shopping for you between all the reps and they have deals with the reps where they'll mark up the power slightly and but they get you a good price right because everybody has different prices and it's illegal for reps to call each other and say hey what's your price today what's your price today so it's the brokers are kind of in there they make a little bit of a spread Mm -hmm. they mark your power up but you get a pretty competitive price those are like the main two entities. Now, as far as the more nuanced things, like the demand response and all these winter storms that we'll get into, there's what's called a QSE, call it a queasy, I think it stands for Qualified Scheduling Entity. Um, And that's kind of like the third leg, that's more of the bespoke thing. So in general, those are the main three types of people that are dealing with the power market. there's all kinds of other things like traders and yeah. you know all those other things but as far as you're at home you pay a power bill you're paying your power bill to a rep now mm-hmm. who found you that deal that's probably a broker mm-hmm. like savant energy or you know a ton of these other brokers out there uh and then um for other things like tesla has a new thing right now if you have power walls or solar panels they'll help you sell to the real-time market oh, cool. So, huh. Tesla is a rep when they sell you the power but when they're trading the power for you yeah. they're a QSE. Okay. So most of these large reps are also a QSE. So that's kind of where this whole thing gets in the, involved because you know you've got people saying, "Oh, ERCOT paid Bitcoin miners 30 million dollars on the back of the taxpayers and that's not actually the whole truth." Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, let's let's dive into that and I'm going to say this from someone who is I would I'm not super uneducated, but I'm not knowledgeable either. Like, it's like I could go either way. So looking at Twitter and seeing, you know, the outrage and people are basically saying, like, why are Bitcoin miners even on in the first place? Mm -hmm. Like, they're wasting energy, whatever. I can see a stance for that. And if I weren't, like, for freedom, (laughs) 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 Um, I could see how that would be confusing to sure, like sure. So, like just you general know population. you're layman yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. how it would be confusing like why are they getting paid to not use it it's just confusing yeah, yeah. and i want to like sure. clear it up oh, yeah. because there is a lot more education that goes into that totally. yeah
1: so in general the fact that you come home and you turn on a light and it works is a miracle of modern science the grid yeah. is a crazy thing so let me let me kind of break things down first, and then we'll get into why Bitcoin miners are important. And not just Bitcoin miners, but large flexible loads. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you turn on your light and it works, it's because the grid is operating smoothly. Mm -hmm. The question is, well, how does the grid operate smoothly? When the generators and the uh, consumers are in unison, things work great. So here's what happens when a, a gas turbine turns on. If there's no load on that turbine it will spin much faster than it should now when a turbine spins too fast you've all heard of a frequency right we know that in the states we use 60 hertz so when you look on like the back of a iphone charger it'll mm-hmm. say 50 to 60 hertz mm-hmm. that's because 50 hertz is in canada yeah. um and other places but in the states we use 60 hertz that means the turbine itself on across the grids all the turbines are spinning they like to spin at 60 hertz But when you put a load on that turbine, it will slow down. When you pull a load off that turbine, it will speed up. And what do you
0: mean by load?
1: So when you, and everybody comes home and they turn on their lights at the same time, that's pulling a load.
0: Got it. So when
1: you pull more electricity on on a turbine, on a gen set of some kind, it will make it spin slower. That's just a property of the physical mm -hmm. reality. So if you just think that there's a turbine linked to your house light switch, Mm-hmm. When you flip on the switch, the it spins, switch spins slower. slower. Yep. When you turn it off, it spins faster. Got it. And so uh, that's a, a bit of an oversimplification, but that's for the a good general yeah, yeah, no, yeah. though. Yeah. And so when it, it, it spins slower, it's no longer producing energy at 60 hertz. So mm-hmm. if you look at uh, one of these slides here, this shows you on a normal day the frequency of the grid. So you can see it's not a flat line. It bounces between 60.025 hertz and 59.5975 hertz. This is a normal day. everything's going well, but it's not a straight line. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason that it's not a straight line is because nobody's using the same amount of power and nobody's using one turbine, right? It's not one turbine that powers the entire grid. So this is all the generators communicating and this is all the flexible loads communicating. So the fact that it's pretty range bound quite tightly is a good thing. And above that, you can see why it's range bound so quickly. So these are the things that we call ancillary services. So these are all the generators and all the, all the generators, natural gas, wind, solar, batteries, and all the consumers who are enrolled in ancillary services working together nicely. Mm-hmm. So this is, it seems kind of like a chaotic graph, but it's actually it's really not. The, the way things are supposed to work. Yeah. Now, when things dip, below certain thresholds these ancillary services will be triggered so you can see the reg up chart and the reg down chart those are the most um i would say used ancillary services what so, is reg up and so reg down so ancillary services there's a few buckets okay and so reg up and reg down are mostly used by generators mm-hmm. communicating between themselves so if a bunch of people come home at one time Or uh, one generator has a big problem, like um, let's say the nuclear power plant, Comanche Peak. Let's say they, I think maybe two or three years ago, they had a fire on one Mm -hmm. of their transformers. And just like that 1.3 gigawatts fell off the grid, right? So all the other turbines started having problems. And so they communicate and some will spin faster and some will spin slower and maybe some windmills will get cut off or, you know, brakes will be pulled off some so they can generate more. All those lines, those purple lines, kind of show you how those assets are communicating collectively. So
0: it's all kind of a formula depending on what needs to happen. They all work together to find just the best formula. If if you
1: want to generate on ERCOT, you can't just like connect to the grid. You (laughs) you talk to ERCOT and most of these power plants, these huge power plants, there's like five people that work there. They're highly automated, highly orchestrated, Mm -hmm. very unified across ERCOT telemetry. Mm -hmm. So they all kind of talk and that's what, kind of keeps the grid in those bounds. Now, what happens when they get out of bounds? The other ancillary services can get dispatched. So if you go to the next one, here's a good example. You see how the frequency dipped. This was from uh, last week. Um, that big dip down to 59.8. Mm-hmm. That's a big red flag. So um, now you see how the, the rest of the charts kind of are way more, the purple lines are yeah. way more different. When the grid goes that low, it's danger time. So if you want to go to the first picture, we'll look at what happened during um, the winter storm Yuri. So this kind of explains what happened, and this is a chart of frequency. So a lot of people want to talk about how much power the grid uses or, and how much power the grid has available, but that's not really the most important part. The most important part is frequency to make sure everything is kind of in lockstep. So. Look at the frequency like nose dive to like 40 hertz, all your electronics in your house are getting fried. Oh, yikes. Yeah. So fried? Fried. And oh, the breakers wow. aren't going to trip in your house, so like frequency is the most important part. Some people say it's um it's like the blood of the grid. The grid is like the veins. The mm. amount of blood you have is like the capacity, but the actual movement of the blood within your body is super important. You can can bleed out a little bit and you're Mm -hmm. fine, but if your blood stops moving at the right pace, you've got big problems. So this is kind of similar. So for the winter storm, you can see how this is kind of, it starts off as like a, not a crazy slope and then it nose dives. So what happens is when winter storms happen, right? And the turbines weren't winterized, I know everybody's heard, no, the winterization, blah, blah, blah when things freeze and the turbine stops spinning, what happens is other turbines stop spinning because those turbines stop. And then it's kind of like a a falling knife that you have to catch. And so when all the turbines start tripping each other off because this one froze, okay, and now this turbine has more load on it because it's taking more load. It takes more from the rest of them. Mm -hmm. It spins slower. And then because it's spinning slower, the frequency keeps going down. And then the next turbine is slower because it's having to soak more load. Right. And so you can see how it just kind of progressively nosedives. And so um, you've got, at the first point, you've got 1.4 gigawatt of outages, um, and then you can see another 250 and another 330. So what the grid has to do is they have to shed the load. So when a turbine falls offline, The other turbines spin slower because they're having to eat more of the consumption, which makes that spin slower, which trips others offline and and so so on and so forth. So you've got to have these rolling blackouts to pull the load off. And so if you can't get in front of it, you can see how it goes down. Uh, The winter storm went down very low, 59.3, which sounds like nothing. Not that much. Yeah, but big problems can happen. If, you know, you don't want to hurt people, number one, you can have very serious electrical equipment yeah. failures. And so they open the relays Wild to then. disconnect people. Yeah. And so you can see the, the little sag there, the red line is we were, uh, I think when the grid gets to 59.25, the whole thing just shuts down.
2: Oh, good. And
1: so that would be called a total <laughs> grid blackout.
2: What would have happened? Like, how long does it take to come back on? After
1: sure. That? So there are That's protocols. That's
2: terrible <laughs> we were very close. <laughs> yes. <No. laughs> so if
1: everything goes offline, like hospitals and right.
2: Like, oh, yeah. Because they kept the hospitals on. So they kept
1: time. the hospitals on. There's also certain oh, yeah. uh, non-interruptible loads. Like there's a lot of um, like refineries that have right. catalysts they have to keep hot Yeah. because it will cost billions of dollars if their whole pipeline gets backed up Yeah. and um, that can be bigger problems. Um, so, but let's say we did have a full grid blackout. Hospitals are off. Police stations are off. Fire departments are off. You can't use your phone. I Cell phone like the, towers are off. It honestly sounds
0: like the purge. It,
1: it is the purge. Make no mistake. If you have a grid blackout, people are dying. for real, for real, and it's super cold, like beyond just people in their houses, you've got people in hospitals, on like defibrillators, yeah. and like all that's gone, right? So they're. Um, there are procedures in place to do what's called a black start. That's where you have to open everything up and you basically say, okay, generator one, turn on. And then we light up this section of the grid. Okay. They're good. Now we go to the next one and the next one and the next one. So it's, uh, I think the current protocol is four hours. If everything goes mm-hmm. perfectly, generally that doesn't happen. Right. We haven't had a black start in a very long time. But it could be like four hours to like a week of uh, just like issues. So yikes. Um, you can think of frequency getting away from you like a ripple effect. You drop mm-hmm. a big stone in a pond and it just propagates throughout the whole grid. So that's why uh, this is an exact chart of what happened for Yuri. And as things start coming back up, there's even more problems. So anyway, this is why frequency is super important. So in the summer... Uh, When things get, people are using more power, uh, there's going to be issues like this. So this is from um, September 7th. You can see where, so this is a chart from ERCOT, and the blue line is the projected use. The blue dotted line is the projected use of the grid. And the purple line is the projected capacity of the grid. Oh, good. So when the blue line goes over the purple line, not great.
0: So are these charts? Not that the normal human could read them and like know what you're looking at, but can anyone go on ERCOT's website that's right. and like find these? That's right. These are all curious? publicly
1: available. You can go to ERCOT.com, um, and they've got one called Grid Dashboard. Uh-huh. Just click that. And that's where you're going to find these charts. Um, there's links to it as well in these in this tweet. So,
0: so we had some issues. That's and right. And circle. so
1: this was I took the screenshot. Um, at I think around nine o'clock in the morning, but ERCOT has a forecast for the day. Mm -hmm. So they know that things are gonna be tight. And so this is where the flexible loads on the other side come into play. So they're gonna tell all the generators, hey, you guys need to be running full bore. Please don't try to do maintenance today. You need to be running balls out. Mm -hmm. And then they put the loads on notice. If you're registered in the ancillary services programs, you're probably going to get dispatched today. Now, yeah. that means ERCOT's going to call you and they're going to tell you, we need you to turn off. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're enrolled in these programs, you get paid if you get turned off. So the way these programs work is if you're a large flexible load and you are enrolled in ancillary services.
0: What are some examples of sure. who would be a large so
1: flexible load? So there's there's tiers of large flexible oh. loads. So like um, an aluminum smelter plant. Okay, they can turn off. They're a big load but they might need like 2 hours to turn off mm-hmm. okay so they could be a registered uh ancillary services mm-hmm. um the um another example would be like a bitcoin mine right they can turn off much quicker and they're usually much larger um a battery like a industrial size battery would be one a big warehouse could be one but they're all in this kind of like stacked order right so if you tell ercot hey we use a lot of power and we'd love to Enroll in ancillary services, they'll say, Great, how quickly can you turn off mm-hmm. and how quickly can you turn on? So, for like an aluminum smelter, they'll say, We can turn off in two hours and it's going to take us two hours to come back up. They say, Okay, cool. We're going to put you in what we call a ERS, emergency response services. So, that's generally the lowest tier. They give them, I think, 30 minutes to turn off. Um, and when you turn back on, isn't that important. So, um, that's like bottom of the barrel. If you're enrolled in ancillary services or demand response, that's like bottom of the barrel. If you can turn off your whole load in 30 minutes, cool. We'll pay you. We're not going to pay you a lot. And you can tell us when you think it's okay to turn off as far as market pricing goes. Mm. So the ancillary services also have their own prices. So I tell ERCOT, I'm going to run until your ancillary service is going to pay me X amount. Oh. So it's not... You just tell me when to turn off. I'll tell you if you're going to pay me X amount, I'll turn off. Well,
0: that mm-hmm. makes sense. Cause I feel like, especially for some commercial industrial people, they've got
1: real opportunity. Right,
0: and, and so it's not worth it for them That's until right. that payment gets to That's a certain right. level. That's yeah. right. Can consumers just like myself or Julie be a part of that?
1: There are, um, uh, things you have to do. So there's ca- yeah. capacity limits that you would need to, they don't just let, you know, 50 kilowatts of a house beyond this right. program. I think the minimum is one megawatt.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sure. But
1: there's a lot of warehouses right. and, you know, like shops and heavy machinery people that like they yeah. they do this.
0: Well, because they figured most households aren't going to move the needle.
1: That's right. That's right. At all. Yeah. So that's that's like the bottom tier mm-hmm. demand response. Now Above that, you've got things called non-spin, which is another, you have 30 minutes to turn off, but you have to come back on in 30 minutes as well. And there's another one called ECRS, which is five minutes. You have to turn off within five minutes and come back on in five minutes. And those are all great, but a turbine reacts within milliseconds, right? So, there's a top tier called CLR that you, in order to qualify for CLR, you have to be able to respond to an ERCOT request within four seconds. Who...
0: Does the company just give ERCOT like an emergency line? Like they literally just pick up the phone and call. Four seconds is fast to react. Yeah. yeah. And they, they call Tim at
1: right. so so-and-so and they're this like, hey is where Tim, the, turn it off. This is where the queasies the QSEs, come into play. So the Queasy, ERCOT is not telling me at my warehouse. Got it. Hey, you've been dispatched for ERS. Turn off in 30 minutes, please. It's ERCOT telling my queasy through an API. Okay. And then the, the queasy has an automated email, text, and phone. Got it. Uh, an example of a Queezy would be like Voltus Power, right? So they have an automated dispatch. They'll call you, and it's like an automated teleprompt, like, hey, you've been dispatched for ERS, turn off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all done through the Quesys. The The higher tier stuff is a little bit more connected. So most large consumers have what's called telemetry. It's um, analog data communication with ERCOT. So ERCOT can see my load in real time Mm -hmm. and I can respond to their request Mm -hmm. in real time through my Queasy. Got it. So my Queasy will say, it's all automated through APIs and telemetry calls, but I tell ERCOT every one minute I'm using this much power. Let me know if you need me. Mm -hmm. Um, Now for the four second CLR stuff, that's all ERCOT will basically give me a, a graph. And they'll say, here's a slope you need to follow. And I'm going to update this slope every four seconds. And you have to be on that line. So they'll tell me how I ramp and how mm-hmm. I ramp up and down and up and down. It's not just all or nothing.
2: Why is it important to ramp up and down and not just like turn off?
1: Because as, if I can stay in lockstep with the generators going up and down, I want to be polar opposite with the generator. So mm-hmm. if they're spinning too fast, I want to use more power. If they're spinning too slow, I want to use less power. Gotcha. And so if I can do that, I can help the generator stay in that 60 hertz it, sweet spot.
2: That's why it's so important, the 60 hertz. That's in right. see. keeping see. Right. Okay.
1: So that's like the top tier demand right. response ancillary services, the CLR stuff. Now beyond that, there's a new program called FFR, which you have to respond within 250 milliseconds, and that's mostly just batteries. Okay. So the batteries, they'll tell batteries, "Hey, we need you to eat more or discharge more." So um, that's and this kind of is like-
2: all automated, right? Like eight,
1: mostly. Sometimes you have like it's problems. not a person. No, it's in. it's all software based. Got
2: it. Got it. Okay. And
1: there's, uh, but there is a three strike rule kind of in ERCOT. If you, if they call you and they tell you to turn off and you don't turn off. Three strikes, you are banned for life. Wow. You cannot participate. Because <laughs> and I'm sure
2: they give you like heads up. So you're watching it.
1: Well, in order to be in the top tier programs, you have to test. They test oh. you. So they'll say, okay, your load test for this program is going to be this day next week. And it's going to be between these hours. And if and you, you fail that test, you cannot oh. be enrolled in that program. Wow. So the um, those high tier programs, they pay more and they pay more often. Mm-hmm. right? So ERS... I think it's been dispatched like three times this year. Um, September 7th is a good example of that. Um, or maybe the 6th, I'm not sure. Um, but CLR, I mean, we get dispatched multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. So to put it in perspective why Bitcoin miners specifically are well-suited, the CLR program's been in ERCOT as like a published program for I think eight years. Mm-hmm. Nobody's been able to pass the qualification test except for the past like four years.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Interesting. So
1: ERCOT's very good at like making these buckets like, hey, we yeah. have a need. You could fill this need if you can match these criteria mm-hmm. in this test. And that test has been out there for almost a decade. So they had decade. no one for like Nobody because mm-hmm. no load can respond as quickly as a Bitcoin mine. So a Bitcoin mine is a big user, but it's also a granular user. Yeah. So you might use 100 megawatts. But those 100 megawatts are broken into chunks of 3,000 watts. So three kilowatts here, three kilowatts yeah. here, three kilowatts here. And most Bitcoin miners can control their miners independently of each other. Mm-hmm. And so if ERCOT says, hey, we need you to use 99.91 megawatts, cool, They're can like, do They're like, cool, it. no problem. Yeah, just turn off 10 machines. Yeah. Good to go. So right? this
0: happened and the outrage came because people found out
1: sure. That's so, some
0: Bitcoin miners were getting paid.
1: So there's two sides to this like getting paid story. If you look at your power bill, there's a bunch of line items on there. There's like nuclear yeah. decommissioning. There's, uh, you know, ancillary service providing. There's all kinds of little small line items that if you look at your actual power bill in great detail, they're all there. Yeah. And those are things you pay for so that when you turn on the light, they come on. Not, yeah. So because Comanche Peak has to dispose of spent fuel rods, you got to pay a little bit for mm-hmm. that. But... You want Comanche Peak Online because it's a stable, sustainable provider of power, right? And just for the ancillaries as well, you have to pay for ancillary services. So when the frequency drops, you can still blast your AC at 60 degrees. Right. Those are all part of the ancillary things. And ERCOT takes that payment from you. Well, your rep takes that payment Mm -hmm. from you. They send that to ERCOT. And ERCOT pays the people who helped make sure you could turn on your AC when you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. So – and at certain months, those ancillaries are higher. Mm-hmm. And certain months, they're zero. So like in the fall, if you look at your bill compared to the summer, your ancillary charges will be much less. Yeah. Much, much less. Your rep kind of normalizes that for you. But depending on what your power contract is, you will see those line items. Right. Um, I want to pull
2: up my bill now. I know. Now I want to know. <laughs> my bill's been very high, so I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> Lucas it's... likes to leave the <laughs> freaking door
0: open for the dogs. And I'm like, the air's on. <laughs> The door is open. We can't turn the air off because it's going to be 80 degrees. I'm going to kill him one of these
1: days. That's right. And those uh, ancillary charges ensure that your AC stays on. So that's that's the first He way. is
0: single-handedly. <laughs> we
1: appreciate him. We, we appreciate
0: him. I'm <laughs> sure we do. The, uh,
1: so that, that's one side is people get paid for ancillary services and what they contributed to help the grid. Now, the bigger chunk of that pie is selling the power back to the grid. So as a large user, I'm not buying power the way households buy power. I buy power the more, more similar to the way a rep would buy power. Mm-hmm. I go to the market with the help of a rep and I buy, I prepay for a chunk of power. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. It's technically like a futures market, but just suffice to say, I'm buying a chunk of power and I'm prepaying for five, 10, 20 years. And because I, money. that's right. Because I pre bought that power, I locked in my price. Now, in the fall, the price might be less, but in the summer, I'm not paying 5,000 dollars a megawatt- hour. Right, right? But because I prepaid for that, I own it. Now when the price of power explodes past what I paid for it plus what I'm making with it, I can choose to sell that power back to the real-time market.
3: Now so you that's can not
1: make money.: I can from make that? money by selling the power and not using it. Now that has nothing to do with ancillary right. services.
2: Is that? Like that's PPAs? Just
1: like, yes, so that's if just, I, have I have a long-term power. hedge PPA. Okay. And the price of power explodes. So there's a, a price chart on one of these.
0: This is so interesting. Like I feel like I never would have thought. Like
1: yeah, it's very it makes nuanced. sense when you uh, think about it. But Keep there's a down. lot that goes into power. Keep going down. So you can see right now the real time price of power. If you hover over that spike, uh, <laughs> it's that? eighty. I think it's eighty.
0: That's like right now, right now. Yeah, that's
1: right now, right 64. now. So sixty-four dollars. Let's say I bought power. For five years and I paid $20 mm-hmm. and I'm, let's say whatever I'm doing, if I'm a refinery and I'm making $50 equivalent doing my business, maybe you'd want to turn off and sell your power back because you're actually making more selling the power than you are using it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the other side of that, it's a real-time market. That's not ERCOT paying me. There's a counterparty that bought. So if I place that sell on the market to sell my power, there's a counterparty who's going to buy it. Mm-hmm because it's an actual futures contract, there's somebody who's always long power and somebody who's always short power. So when prices explode to $5,000, mm-hmm. I can sell my power at that price and there's somebody who's going to buy it at that price. That's not ERCOT and taxpayers paying that to me. Mm. So to put it in perspective, I think Riot, they do a great job of of doing demand response and there was kind of a hit piece put up by CNBC. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, ERCOT and taxpayers paid ERCOT $31 million, which is not true. That's it. Again, there's two chunks there's ancillary services, yeah. which is what taxpayers take the burden on so that the grid works, and there's selling power. I think ERCOT only paid them about $7 million. The rest of that was them opportunistically selling their right. power to the market. And that's usually like a bank or a generator or somebody that's, that's, uh, net short power mm. that has to buy that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, uh, if you have a PPA, you're long power.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's just kind of how it works. So really, most of the money being made by miners is us just selling our PPAs back to the market. Right. Ancillaries is super necessary for reasons we said, but mm-hmm. it usually makes up only revenue for us in the summer. Right or in the winter when things are so. Really how crazy. much
2: did Riot actually make from ancillary services?
1: I think they published it's about seven million.
2: Okay, so that was not total totally. seven <laughs> of thirty-two million. The thirty-two <laughs> million, yeah, yeah. The the yeah.
1: remainder, the net of that was them just selling power PBA, in yeah. the real time market. Okay, yeah, which um, does not come from taxpayers. That's right.
2: what I find so frustrating. It's just all of these. Like it's just. Are they uninformed or do they just want to?
1: It, it's the, the reality is the grid is an insanely complex thing. And, yeah. you know, I'm not an expert by any means. And there are so many more niche places, mm-hmm. just like oil and gas stuff. Right. Like I kind of know how oil comes out of the ground. But like just like six months ago, I know what the word bitumen is. I'm, I didn't even know what that word was. I don't
2: know. I don't what know what that, that means.
1: Yeah. I, I, apparently, it's like when oil comes out of the ground, it's not like black oil. It's like a mix of crap.
0: Oh yeah. They have, <laughs> I, didn't yeah. I didn't know that. They they probably use certain chemicals from our friend, our chemical friend. Yeah, Kai.
1: There you go. So again, <laughs> I also have no idea about that. So the, the grid is incredibly complicated mm-hmm. and it's always changing. There's new programs coming out by ERCOT and there's new regulations mm-hmm. and this and that and the third. So it's always changing. But I don't think in general it's it's a mistake that they try to paint people of large users as like bad For sure. right so also put a tweet up about why it's important to have large flexible loads yeah so that right there is a is a good one to kind of highlight that's something that uh this guy pierre from riot put out that talks a lot about more in detail about ancillary services you guys should probably link this one here yeah so like well, good job yeah, like breaking that, that one out. down that chart is a, a good kind of indicator of when things you can kind of tell when things are going to go haywire so this is a chart of wind and solar on Mm -hmm. ERCOT and as you can see on this day they both dropped off at the same time and so when generation drops off but consumption stays constant or goes up you're going to have frequency problems and it's just hard to tell when the wind's going to blow and when the sun's going to go off exactly Right. right so this is why Texas has to have a robust ancillary services yeah. program because we do have so much renewables on the grid.
0: I'm laughing at your um the caption. ERCOT <laughs> gets to live another day. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah. Put a um and that actually this day was was good because the wind actually kicked up mm-hmm. when it was projected to not kick up, and so ERCOT did not crap the bed this day. So anyway, that's a that's a good overview, I think, and
2: and let's blow holes in it. Yeah. No, I. I mostly want to kind of combat like people on Twitter who say Ercot should be spending that seven million that they use in ansel- which it sounds stupid now that I' know like mm-hmm. all the information mm-hmm. behind it, but they should be working on what do they say like new um equipment or new ways to generate power mm-hmm. rather than paying sure people
1: so um. Again, keep in mind that ERCOT is a private company. All the generators (laughs) are private companies. (laughs) They can do whatever they they want. And the people who buy power are all doing it at will. Now, what does that mean for the consumer? That means that your power price is cheap. right? So right now, maybe you pay $0.11 per kilowatt hour, $0.12, something Mm -hmm. like that. When I lived in Boston, I was paying $0.30. Oh, my gosh. And it's not because there's not enough power. It's just because it's all done by one company and there's no Mm -hmm. competition. So you huh. got to pay capitalism a little bit. Capitalism
2: for the win. That's yeah. Right. you
1: got to pay a little bit in fees to make sure that the capitalism is allowed to do its thing. Yeah. But you, at the end of the day, reap the benefit of having lower prices.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, 11, 12 cents right now is crazy high to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. It was five, six cents. But with all the storms and all the ancillary stuff getting dispatched, it's gone up. Mm-hmm. But it's still not 30, 40 cents that you're going to pay in New England, New York, you know, all yeah. these kinds of regulated yeah. markets.
2: I guess that's my next question is the regulated markets. They have one person. It's more of like a government oversight yeah. rather, so they can charge what they want. Mm-hmm. And it's, sucks. it's wild to me that that doesn't get more talked about. And people always talk about how um the winter storm, how yeah. they like blame it on the oil companies or like <laughs> whatever, God. just like, yeah manipulating the market and Mm -hmm. all of that and i actually saw something in the houston chronicle of all places (laughs) um about this where they're like blaming um i don't know if it was oil companies or whatever pipeline something Mm -hmm. they're blaming the freeze on that and it's it makes me sad that people like don't care to educate themselves. They mm-hmm. just believe that. And sure. they're like, go after these. Well, they should easier. all be arrested. That's blah, right. blah, blah. It's and just I'm easier. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah.
1: So there are in these regulated markets, there is oversight. They're not gonna like be allowed to just completely gouge you because then yeah. the federal government will get involved. But they are allowed to kind of warrant their prices for things that they see fit to do. Right. So for instance, they may, might want to overwinterize, right? They're going to pass that cost along to you because it's all Mm -hmm. the generation in most of these places is one company, Mm -hmm. right? So like Duke Energy, for example, they run a a good portion of the grid around like Ohio and some of those places. They want to overwinterize their stuff, good or bad, however you see it, doesn't matter. You got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But you didn't get to say, yes, I opt in for that or not. In Texas, because there's multiple generation companies, some might winterize differently or at different times. And so you also don't get to choose that, but it's not an all or nothing situation. Right. So you have um, the fees that you're paying for ancillary services. I think the way you put it, it's pretty good. It's mm-hmm. like an insurance policy. Yeah. Very rarely does that insurance policy get called, but it does get called. Right. So, like this summer is a good example of that. The winter storm, good example of that. And they're baking in that price into their power. Right. But you don't have to buy power from, NG, you don't have to buy it from Shell. You can buy it from whoever. Right. And they all compete to get your business. So mm-hmm. as time goes on, and you're seeing more people put solar panels on their houses mm-hmm. and, you know, all these other ways to kind of like curb their power usage or power reliance is maybe a better word. You can't do that in other markets.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: If you want to put solar panels on your house in Puerto Rico, you cannot.
0: Really? Oh, wow. They, like there's not a lot. There
1: is a regulation for Puerto Rico specifically and maybe other places in the States that if you put solar panels on your house, you still have to pay for what you use because they see it as stealing money from the power company (laughs) because there's one power company. Now, there's other places like this inside of Texas that we call co-ops, right? So like Austin is a good example of this. Austin, as far as ERCOT is concerned, is one meter, and everybody inside of Austin is inside this co-op. Now, what they can do as the co-op owner is they can enroll in demand response programs. You don't get any of that upside. The co-op owners get that upside. So there are regulated markets inside of ERCOT mm-hmm. and there are deregulated markets mm-hmm. inside of ERCOT.
0: Okay. But,
1: so just to kind of make that distinction.
0: Yeah. Has, has Texas always had its own grid?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: I'm just, my brain is sort with like grid history, like especially with ERCOT being a private company, who started ERCOT? Yeah. Do you imagine me I'm like not, I uh, started ERCOT? <laughs> <laughs> like wow.
1: Yeah. yeah so I, I'm not uh, super familiar on like the history of I ERCOT. I will be googling. But uh, I do know that they there's a the, a rule book that they have to play by. Yeah. By the PUC, so the Utility Commission, mm-hmm. kind of like there's a rule set of rules that they have to abide by. And there's yeah yeah, yeah. the Railroad Commission, all that right. kind of For stuff. Sure. So
2: what would you if you were in like the CEO of ERCOT, would you change anything? In the way That's anything such a is good done,
1: question. they actually do a really good job. They frequently meet with large loads. Hmm. There's the Texas Large Flexible Task Force, Large Load Textbook. I forget the name of it, but it's a, an initiative that was started by the Texas Blockchain Association. ERCOT meets with these people monthly and hmm. they say, You know, you guys doing good at this, bad at this. We could get help, more help here. You know, if you do X, Y, Z differently, it would help us. So they're in large, large loads are in constant communication with Mm,
0: ERCOT. So that's awesome. Yeah. So for people that are reading some of these headlines and especially after the winter storm and people that don't understand what it would be like to be a part of if Texas didn't have their own grid and Mm -hmm. we were a part of just the U.S. grid system, Mm -hmm. what would that sure? Good.
1: Good question. It's a give and take. Right. So you wouldn't have had. A big problem in the storm that's for sure because we've been able to import more power mm-hmm. at places that weren't having that kind of storm right so because
2: we only use the power that's generated here and okay. all of Texas was yeah. so we would right. have been able to pull <laughs> that's right. from that's other right. okay so we
1: do have some that we can pull from Mexico we do yeah. have some that we can pull from I think New Mexico and a couple of other places but it's de minimis mm-hmm. so that is one upside if we were connected we had more tie flows we could could have been just fine. So, like yeah. El Paso, no problem. They were yeah. cool, no problem. They had power; it was fine. However, you're gonna have to. You're gonna end up paying more for your power because of yeah. that. So it's it's kind of a give and take. What right. do you want? Do you want extreme reliability, or do you want extremely competitive pricing? You cannot have both. Yeah. So you know the the truth is, it's probably a balancing act somewhere in there. For sure. And the way ERCOT does that is with the ancillary services. So right their balancing act is we're still self-reliant. We're still gonna, you know, if we can make our loads communicate with our generators, then we'll be fine, and that is true. So that's where these ancillary markets come in.
2: And, okay, my last question, and then we can wrap it up. Um, A bunch of energy people were getting, I don't know if upset is the right word, but they were just on Twitter as well, talking about the Bitcoin miners. Can you explain why it's important for Bitcoin miners? And I think you kind of already answered this with the Hertz. I think that was the mm-hmm. perfect explanation. But why it's important for Bitcoin miners to really like ramp up in the middle of the day when load is less?
1: Sure. Um, I'm going to actually pull up that tweet because I think I answered I it a little bit more eloquently and well thought out than I will. <laughs> just right now. Bumping my gums <laughs> right now. Because I get that question a lot and I also get the like, well, if minors weren't here in the first place, we wouldn't have these problems. Um,
2: Which isn't true.
1: Yeah. So that, let's just start there. If I get that one the most, if, well, if minors weren't even allowed that we wouldn't have this problem, here's the reality. You will still have those problems. And I've, I linked a graph where uh, in a news article, I think from 2017, maybe 2018, I don't remember where a Comanche Peak fire happened and 1.3 gigawatts fell offline and the frequency of the grid nosedived because it was like an unplanned thing, yeah. right? And that happens a lot. Not a lot, but sometimes.
0: Often enough.
1: Yeah, sure. And that was when there was almost no mining in Texas and the frequency took a huge nosedive and it was in the middle of the day and the ancillary services responded. Now, they responded Do very they quickly. they
2: respond... Um, to pick their load up as well. It's not just down. Like That's it's right. Not so just that's why down. you
1: saw reg up and reg down. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So depending on what your asset is, right? Can mm-hmm. you do both? Maybe. Maybe not. Um, so like Bitcoin miners, they can use more if they want to like overclock their machines, right? Yeah. And, or they can use less by turning off. Mm-hmm. So, um, it depends on your asset. So those, the grid issues happen whether or not there's miners involved, right? And, um depending on which demand response program, ancillary service you're in, depends on like how much you're able to help. Not all miners can turn off quickly. Right. A lot of software is involved, a lot of technical know-how, a lot of mm-hmm. operational expertise goes into that. All right. So the large miners, they can do that very well. Smaller, maybe like mid-sized miners, they can't because they don't have the custom software to do that. So in general, some of the miners weren't even on when all these problems were happening. Mm. So... Whether or not miners are here or not doesn't mean that the grid's going to have less frequency issues. Um, but the fact that they're here and they're very flexible allows the grid to kind of self-heal itself uh, quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: What was your other question?
2: Um, why is it important why for miners turn on during the day? During the day when oh, yeah, load yeah. is less.
1: Sure. So um, when load is less?
2: Well, like during the day when no one's using as much power
1: sure so um let's talk about the weekends versus during the week okay because you go to work and this room probably uses more power than like a room in your house house, right so during the day during the week middle of the day that's when load peaks generally Mm, okay um also there's a so that's called the super peak and then when everybody comes home and turns on their ac that's another smaller peak okay so uh but because there's so much renewables When the load is the secondary peak, the sun's not shining anymore, Mm. right? But it's still hot. So people want to, you know, turn on their TVs and, Mm -hmm. you know, run their... So giving large load back to the grid at that time, which is what miners would generally do Mm -hmm. when the secondary price spike happens or a secondary dispatch happens because of frequency problems, because they can turn off and on so quickly at a moment's notice, quite literally a moment's notice, That allows the grid to just work well because it's not getting Mm -hmm. cooler. Everybody knows that. It's just getting hotter and there's more people and there's more houses and there's just more and more and more of everything. Generators can't come online that fast, but if more loads can turn off quicker, then it gives the generation time to kind of catch up. Right. So because building a huge natural gas power plant, I mean, it's a very serious like process and it's not going to happen in a year. So.
2: Yeah. We actually talked about that with Lisa. What? Do you remember? Um, just talking about how she was talking about how if you kind of compare a natural gas power plant with a like bitcoin miner and i think she was talking in terms of this which i think over Mm -hmm. back then went over our head Mm. Uh, because i we asked each other after we were like did you understand what she was talking about
1: (laughs) if you get in a a room with like these these like walking brains for power like a lot of it i've had to sit down so i've only learned this stuff for the past like four or five years and it's by going to lunch with people like that you're just like all right please tell me everything. Uh, okay yeah. one more time because i have no idea what you just said again one geez, more time what, but like, what does that dumb it mean?
0: down yeah like,
1: so the a lot of those things i think is why the education is is important and it's just really complicated stuff because right, it's, it's so is. nuanced and you can you can go to any power company and there's going to be an expert for everything but that expert probably doesn't know what the next expert sitting next to him yep, knows
2: right yep that's what we always talk about in energy mm-hmm. in general like most people no everyone doesn't know all the different parts there's so That's much to it it's That's right. so complex that so i love can't. watching on
1: twitter too because there's so much so much ong stuff that i'm like what is going on
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. i like
1: Colin old tweet something like there's like co2 being blown off i'm like dude this looks like a mad max movie what is going on he's like oh it's just a normal day and i'm like what <laughs> so i mean it's it's the energy game is super
0: it's a wild nuanced.
1: place to be it's nuts and I'm slowly learning trying to learn more but yeah. uh
0: well
2: you can learn more by listening to energy 101 there you go <laughs> <laughs> awesome i think did you have anything else that you wanted to explain or anything okay i this think this was good yeah Me no too. i love this i honestly i i like whenever we have new topics that like Mm -hmm. light bulbs go off Mm -hmm. and I can go back Mm -hmm. to other conversations and like put things together. Mm -hmm. So this is really, really good. I think it'll be helpful for a lot of people.
0: Especially being in the summer and I feel like, like you said in beginning, like it's kind of a hot topic. There's a lot of headlines coming out. So. A
2: lot of people that aren't in the industry at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I had a friend um, from jujitsu send it to us. And they're like, what? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you guys are the devil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah so, and, I'm, um, like if and I'm not you work an, an expert.
2: In, if you work in oil and gas, you're already the devil. So
0: That's right. That's Get right. in line, That's everyone. Right. <laughs> everyone.
1: And, and this is like a, a learning thing. So, you know, sometimes I'll misspeak or say something wrong. I yeah. love it too. Like I think I said... Uh, LMP was like live market price and it's uh, live marginal, location marginal price as part of like the real-time market. And someone's like, oh, you don't know what yes, the fuck no, you're my talking God. About. I'm you're like, wrong you're, about. You're wrong about everything. You're right. I don't know. That's why like we're talking and discussing. Like I know some things. I don't know everything. And so oh. it's, uh, but it, no, it's good. Like having these like learning mm-hmm. things, I, I think it's super important. It's
0: imp- yeah, it is. Just continuing education and just I like opening your brain. And just be op- like open to learning, to learning. stuff that you're yeah. reading so mm-hmm. you actually understand it and can discern what is true and what is not so true. Mm-hmm. It's something I feel like more people
1: In general with the mass media, do. just it, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Somewhere. You just, you <laughs> just, just take it's that. It's just like
2: buried under like mm-hmm. layers of bullshit. <laughs> Facts. Clickbait. Clickbait. Yeah. yeah. Do we want to do the three questions?
0: I feel like we should do two because I feel like recently- two. Like, two. The first two like
2: are yeah. kind of the same. Yeah. Okay.
0: Rapid fire. Light on me. Number one slash number two because we're combining them. What is the biggest... Let's do Bitcoin mining. That's a good one. Misconception about Bitcoin mining. We usually say about energy, but I think we can get a little more specific.
1: Uh, biggest misconception about Bitcoin mining is that we're uh, harming the grid and yeah. taking money from taxpayers.
2: Stop stealing our money. <laughs> <laughs> The next one is what is your most embarrassing story in your like career? Um you've gotta have a good one. Yeah, Aww. you've gotta have a good one. Mm.
0: While he's thinking, at the end of this year, we should a compilation. Yes, and we should like pick our top three. Yeah. And give them a little shout out. Uh, we have the
2: best embarrassing <laughs> moment this <there. laughs> year. Most embarrassing. Congrats.
0: No
1: um man, there's so many, I don't know where to start. Uh.
2: Tell us all of them.
1: Um Had you got me a few years ago, I, I, I used to really like get my feelings hurt about getting my teeth kicked in by somebody. But mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is now it's just so used to being wrong <laughs> that it's, you know, it's just kind of all yeah. one blur. Yeah. Um, probably, it's not really about Bitcoin. I would say, is Bitcoin involved? Maybe, you know, saying something wrong in a foreign language that I don't know
3: mm.
1: and making myself, I, I'll give you a good one. I was in China on my way to uh, look at a friend's mine. And I was going through the Chinese TSA and I kept going through the metal detector and I was like, kept having stuff in my pocket. And I tried to say, sorry, I'm just an idiot. But what came out was you should be sorry because you're an idiot. (laughs) And so. Wait,
2: did you say it in Chinese? Yeah.
1: And Mm -hmm. so like it, it, and it didn't sink in until I was past security. And they kept pulling me back and then, like, pulled me (laughs) to the side and searched all my stuff. And I'm like, because
0: they were like, this guy. What is is going on? I
1: was like, oh no, I said the wrong word. (laughs) And so, uh, that one was was pretty good. The whole flight was delayed because of that, and then of course, <laughs> everybody was like, the, "You're the white dude that like messed everything up." So that because was, you were rude. That's to right. <laughs> this, this this imperialist foreigner making us yeah. late for our flight. That was a whole thing. That was a that was a pretty good one. So yeah, that is that's a good funny.
0: One. That's terrifying to me.
1: So don't say niu Say wo bean. I'm you, dumb. Can you really, Not, You're dumb. Can you yeah.
0: Really how much Chinese, Chinese you? do you speak?
1: Uh, I would say I'm marginally elementary at best.
0: Huh. I mean, uh, I was, so I'm, cool. I'm
1: good enough to, you know, order food get and get some, right. you know, directions, and, mm-hmm. you know, get a cab. Yeah. And, yeah.
2: You know, I have my little five year old neighbor teaching me Chinese. Nice. I know.
1: China's going to take over. I'm hype. <laughs> <laughs> another discussion for another podcast someday yeah
2: yeah yeah well thank you for coming on we will link your twitter mm-hmm. um you're a great follow so oh, absolutely yeah. especially if people it. like we were saying really want to learn I feel mm-hmm.
0: like you post a lot of good educational
2: yes content. and he will be speaking at empower so March 26th 27th. 27th 2024. and
1: if you don't come for the education you can stay for the shit posting yes, yes. <laughs> always a good
0: time alright catch you later